rally still running, affecting the audio. It's all okay now. Alright, one last time, and then I quit streaming forever. What is up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? My name is Jade, and uh, I'm glad to be back online, I suppose. I'm joined today by my good friend Simon Anderson, Hannah, and some guy I've never met before, Neil. Uh, we'll get into that really shortly, but Simon, how are you going? Good afternoon, Jade and Hannah, and of course, Neil as well. Thank you for joining us, uh, and to everybody watching, it's good to be back. Taking a nice little summer holiday uh, reprieve from the stream, you know, let our, uh, our energy levels reset and to take on 2022, and boy, gosh, hasn't a lot happened since, we, <laughs> since we've been in this position. It is a completely different world, and um, all I can say is Hong Kong. Hannah! It, it has been it has been a few weeks since we've been on the stream. Obviously, I don't even know how to run it anymore. How have you been? Um. Well, for we'll get you on for the first time in years. I actually took a holiday, and it, I was missing you. I was missing the stream. I was missing streaming and missing you guys. Um. But no, I'm. I'm doing well. I've uh, been busy and look forward to sharing a few points that I've got got today. So, yeah. I didn't get to ask Simon this, but I'm really interested to hear from you, Hannah. How oppressed do you feel today? Because that's really important. <laughs> <laughs> what does oppressed mean? Yeah, I don't even know what that no. means. Yeah. Do you have any comments around that or not really? No, I don't feel oppressed. Okay, good. And now we're, we're going to come now to Neil Johns. Neil, thanks so much for being part of the show. Good friends is good friend of Simon's, I believe. And um, you work somewhere where I used to work, so welcome to this room. Hey, thanks for having me, everybody. It's an honour to and a privilege. I'll say that for now. Let's see how we go. Whether I'm honoured and privileged in an hour's time. Uh, how appreciative do, do you feel oppressed? today? Yeah. How how appreciative uh, you feel today, Neil? So it's definitely oppressed and not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, on a scale of, of 1 to 10, I, I don't feel hugely oppressed right now. Um, I think there's some oppression coming. And I think <laughs> there's a lot of other people feeling highly oppressed. Yeah, thanks for that. That's my take. Um, and as always, we're really stoked to be live streaming on Twitch and DLive uh, today. So if you have any input or... Comments you'd like to make about the show this afternoon, uh, feel free to leave those in the chat. We do see them live and we can react to them. But what for now, without further ado, uh, we do have the question of the day. Simon, I hope you've been looking forward to this one. It's been a few weeks. I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome, mate. So... The question of the day, or of the week for today, is Who cares for children more, the government or their parents? Who cares for children more, the government or their parents? Who wants to ever go first? I've got, I've, I've got some ideas on this. I'm happy to, to let people have a little think about it. Okay, we'll flip to um, 
Simon for this one? What What do you reckon, Simon? Um, I think for the most part, uh, parents definitely care a lot uh, more about their kids. Um, there's probably a select few that unfortunately aren't fit for parenting, and the 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 government does care about them more than their parents. But the only um the only reason they do care about them is the fact that <clears throat> it's all about I guess um like balancing the 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 expense sheet. You know, for them mm. they want they want to make sure that those kids are a liability on on the community. So they'll um, and, and make sure that they can instill the philosophy or the, 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 the thought patterns in those kids that they want. You know, like governments definitely care a lot about the children of their country and they pay a lot of money to make sure that they can uh, make them think like they want them to as much as possible. So that's, I guess, where I'd put it. And I'm going to see if I can try and make my um, camera quality better because I'm bit blurry but anyway yeah over to somebody else uh neil how how are you feeling you want to take this one yeah i'll give it a whack i see it as a kind of um like a wheel or concentric circle in that the parents have to care about who the government is so in order for the government to then care enough about the parents so the parents can give their children the quality of life that they they want to and it kind of goes round and round which creates, um, depending on the, the government at the time, some kind of um, Stockholm syndrome in a way, which is useful <laughs> uh, for, a, for a political party, for people to feel beholden to them. The question is, what do the kids care about? And that, that's kind of what's happening now, right? There's a whole generation of people that care about things that are not politicized. You know, there's a whole, the whole generation, my, my son, he doesn't give a rat's ass about owning a house or even buying a car, he just wants to do his thing, he's transient, he lives with technology. The, the rules are breaking, the, the rules don't apply, and that's going to be tricky for a political party to even have the illusion of care. That was a long ramble, but um, I hope I got a point across. That's really, yeah, definitely. That's no. really interesting. So, Hannah? I definitely actually... You could sum it, you summed it up nicely for me, Neil. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I do think it's a wheel too, and but I do think where things go wrong is that we shouldn't be leaving the government to be raising children, um, even if children are in government um, assistance, and especially I think of um, education. Right now, parents are told what their children are to learn and being taught, but there's some things that I completely disagree that should not be left down to a teacher to teach a child about a certain topic. It should <coughs> be left to a parent to do and not then just be told, oh, well, they're going to be learning at school, so no, don't worry about it. Um, so I think it is definitely about the parents, but I do think the government has their own ways and views, and I think it does need to be more... The government need to consultate more with citizens in the community what is actually wanted and how can we progress and grow the 
the Society for Aotearoa. I guess let's reframe the question. Is it possible for an organisation to care about people? You want my opinion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Um, I mean, look at look at the look at the framing of health and safety in this current environment. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you, you you know, like we work in the social services sector, right, gentlemen? Like mm -hmm. we and we work in one of the mandated sectors. Why are we mandated? Nobody knows. Everybody just accepts it. Um, that there are there are enough reasons to think that the vaccine could be risky for some people, but to be able to work here, regardless of how talented you are or how much you have to contribute. If you if you haven't got that needle on your arm, uh, you're not valid here. So so I don't think it's possible to for organisations to care. That's just one example, but I could rattle off uh, thousands more. Where you know, generally speaking, organisations, including ones that I've been a part of, uh, are really just out for the bottom line. So my my theory around you know the big large corporates. And you know that the company, they have values and they have objectives and visions and that kind of thing. That uh, that vehicle has one purpose, and that is to make profit for their shareholders. Mm -hmm. That's it. Everything else that falls out of that is to enable them to make profit for their shareholders. So Could, do they care? It depends on your definition of what caring is. Do they care in an emotional connection way? I, I would say that's highly unlikely, unless they were sociopaths. Well, do they care for the for the means to, you know, to care or the ends to care? Are they caring for caring's sake, or are they caring because of the outcome of what happens if they do care that, in, in that yeah. definition of it? That's the thing. So, yeah, for most organisations, it's it's conditional. It's not it's not a true sense of doing what they think is best for an individual. It's doing what they think is best for the individual, so that their bank account grows. Or you know they meet their objective. Most definitely. I, I yeah. I, I just wanted to go back onto what you said about you know like um, the health and safety um, framing and, and the sector that we're in. Yeah, the health, yep. yeah. I've said it many times on the live stream before. The biggest argument for the proponent of mandates is the science of the argument and the legitimacy of the of the mandate based on the scientific outcome that it's going to generate. Um, and then it's clearly proven not to and so when when the argument comes against them that they this is what the science is saying they 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 don't follow the same logic that they were trying to get you to adopt mm. it, it, yeah it's frustrating mm. okay so here's an example i was thinking about this today say there's an omicron outbreak in wellington right how would how would that be reported do you know what I mean? Like that, because you can take many different angles on that. Um, but we'll see. Run that by me again, because I'm black and slow. I know we briefed you on this before the show, so. <laughs> yeah, I briefed you on the white middle-aged <laughs> male as well. I just think, you know, if there's um, 
like Simon says about the, 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 the science can be used to for one delivery but then when it, when there's a confrontation around that delivery then it can be used another way around right depending on your agenda so I was thinking today if there were if there were to be an outbreak um, in Wellington how would that be presented how would that be conveyed to the public and what would be the kind of the take that the government would would have on it Oh, we already have an example of that, uh, Simon. So, the Prime Minister had a COVID scare, and she's uh, the, all they said was she's isolating and having some Panadol. Like, like there's literally nothing else you can do for COVID slash Omicron, whatever variant we're on, and, and I think we we overblow the response to it. Like, like if if the only treatment remedies available are Panadol and staying home for a bit, sounds like the flu to me. I, I know people go up in flames whenever anybody says that, but that's where I'm at. So the argument for that would be, well, yeah, because it's mild because I'm vaccinated, right? But then you don't hear about anyone... <laughs> You don't hear about, and the, nothing's reported about someone else. It's like, but it, you know, someone goes, I'm unvaccinated and I was okay. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but it could have been worse. Yeah. Could oh, I, I can people, actually you know? speak to that. I can actually speak to that. So not me personally, and I'm not going to dox them, but, but I had a friend uh, with, well, no, still have a friend. She, she has two young children. I think they were six and like 18 months old like young kids so she was vaccinated so you can't really qualify that based on what you just said there neil but her two young kids got full-on COVID 19 totally fine obviously not vaccinated because of how young they were and uh you know they didn't have the pediatric uh availability back then they were totally like fine nothing just uh, just like panadol resting for a bit and that was it yeah on the other hand my wife's got a friend in the uk and their whole family i think it was back in delta and they were on their ass right and she was like couldn't get out of bed she's like hang on a minute i did two vaccinations i've done a boost i've done everything i've been told to do and then she's had to give up work because she can't she needs to she can do one thing a day and she needs a nap like she's totally rolled over but her her what the word frustration and and anger is there's there's been this this message this constant message mm. and I've bought into it and I'm no better off but then that's my point the government would go yeah but you you, you probably would have died you know so it's like well how do you you know and if you want to talk of science I cannot find anything to justify a booster moving to three months anywhere I can um, see I can see an FDA paper for five months but that's it no. And to add to your point too, I've um, recently spoken to a friend um, who's actually become more disabled because she had the the Their partner the um, vaccine. Yeah. And she, you know, before she had um, um, chronic pain issues, but now she's basically going to need a walker and she's not going to be able to walk because of um, because of the side effects from actually taking the vaccine she hasn't been sick at all she's almost bedridden 
almost she was bedridden mm. for six weeks and she's now mm. going to be possibly bed, bedridden for life so um that's yeah. the mm. that's the thing that's kind of questioning people and the thing that i was gonna bring today too is which i find really fascinating is it's been announced that you know the Pfizer vaccine um causes myocarditis and pericarditis and actually has heart medication in it it's like the pediatric one does i just need to correct you on that oh yeah. the period mm. oh yeah. so i had that poses pre- the question why was it put in for the pediatric <laughs> one? yeah why was, it, why was it put in for the pe- pediatric thing and th- why i was getting a bit confused because we actually have a friend who um has a heart condition and he said oh no, no, no it's all good i took it because um, it had that added bonus, added added protection heart of medicine heart inside. Me- medicine in it. So that's some really weird logic. Yes. <laughs> Let me get that juicy heart medicine. Hmm. Hey, here's a question: How much do you reckon Trevor Mallard cares about the children? Oh no, he oh, would no. care a lot because he eats them. Um, <laughs> yeah. He cares a lot about the ones um, in the in the grounds in front of the beehive. He cares about them heaps. He wants sure they got a shower. So, you know, he turned the sprinklers on to make sure that they, they would stay nice and clean. I've got a friend who's a cop and he's like, fuck him. He's like, he can't use the police as his, his personal security. Mm. Like, you know, the police should pull out, leave him to it. If he wants to start a fight, then fine. But let, let's not protect him from what he's starting. Leave, you know, see what occurs. So it's pretty easy to be big and brave, right? If you if you got a whole army behind you, <laughs> you got the power of the government. Yeah. yeah. Simon, have you, what's have your... you Wikipedia? Sorry, Sorry. Uh, I was going to ask, what's your take, Simon, on the uh, Parliament protest uh, that we have at the moment down at the Beehive? It's it's interesting, right? It's 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 a global movement, and I, I mean, Neil, you wondered why I said honk honk at the start of the the live stream it was because <laughs> it's about the, the truckers at baby twenty twenty two, the year of the truckers, the convoys are happening all around the world. You know, I was just thinking you're too young to have Hong Kong fooey. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, there's the the start in Canada happening in Australia now. They're around the Parliament in Canberra. It's happened here, so yeah. We're honking all the way through 2022 until the mandates end. I think. I think. Um, I, I don't know how long they'll stay. Maybe if the weather doesn't turn around, a lot of the people that you know aren't too convinced will will head off, and I'm sure the numbers will drop over after um, the weekend's over. So it'll be only the diehards for the next few days, and um, I'm sure the government's planning to make it really hard to be there. Um, you know, Monday through Wednesday. So that by the time the next weekend comes around, they don't get another wave of support. You know, they're going to probably try and end this between Monday and Wednesday. The the prime minister said that it's certainly not the biggest uh, protest she's seen. So that that reads to me like she wants it to be bigger. What do you reckon, Neil? Well, okay. So there's a few ways this can go, but <laughs> I think from from the way I see it. That the, there's the core group of people and they're not going to fall away so it's not going to get smaller so it can either stay the same or it can grow and what we've seen is people are, are coming out in support that you wouldn't necessarily suspect but I did a little poll on my personal Facebook page 
and um, and it's kind of around like 96% are double vaccinated. So, but then I'd be curious as to how many are anti-mandate, and it would, it would be a solid 90% of my friends are anti-mandate, regardless of their jobs, regardless of whether they're vaxxed or non-vaxxed. Um, I think regarding the protests as well there's an interesting thing going on there so the the downside to the protest is there's not um a clear objective and a clear um hierarchy within you know how the group is made up and who the leader is and who because we all know like any conflict should be negotiated right everyone should sit at the table it mm. always comes to that you look at any um different points of views around the world around any kind of subject so that's the downside to it. But the upside, because there is no clear agenda, no clear hierarchy of who to engage, I think the government is sitting there going, or the police, depending on if you believe that the police should be operational, whether the government should be operational. But they're kind of like, well, what do we do? Like, we haven't got someone that we can kind of get on the phone and go, let's sit in a quiet room quietly. Um, and not, and uh, we won't tell anyone and we'll see how we get on and then come to some kind of consensus. I agree. So, yeah. I'm a, so, on, yeah. And it. I'm not sure. I think I don't know if it's a pro or a con for the um, the protest to be to be the way it is. Mm. I, I really don't know. I I think it is. I'm on. I'm leaning on this the side of that. The the um the loose definition of the group collective is is a big very big positive, and I only say that because there is a like a, a subconscious connection to all of them there that they're fighting against the unjust rules that the government have put in place and that yep. that everybody who's there has at least that in them in their intention and when they're turning up so i don't think that's going to get muddied and as long as as long as they can figure out um uh, an objective that, that satisfies the, the group and everybody else that's supporting the group you know then then we can get a resolution but if the government I don't know what's going to happen if they decide to to kind of decide not to play ball with them because they could just ignore them until they become violent and then throw them all away. Yeah, I think, and it's kind of normally with um, a cause, there's some commonality amongst the people fighting for the cause, whether it's demograph or gender or, you know, or, or uh, occupation or whatever. And, and, it's, and it's kind of interesting to see you know, people who are in their teens and people that are professionals and people that were professionals, you know, people that are not by any means that, and cannot be labeled kind of hippie, you know, I'm just up for a bit of a, I'll back, I'll back anything because I've got nothing else to do. It's, mm. you know, that like Simon says, the people there are highly considered, but it's not a cohesive, doesn't appear to me to be a cohesive strategy. But, but like I said, that could be the biggest strength. I want to come to Hannah. Hannah, you, you've made comments to me outside of the stream around the, you know, the percentage of the vote that the government has. It obviously makes problems for the expediency in which they can make laws. Did you want to say anything on that? Yeah, so one thing that I've recognised is the current government that we've got at the moment has the majority vote, so they're able to then... Um, change laws a lot faster like because, that. They, because they don't need consensus mm -hmm. of the government, they don't need consensus of any other government, 
So that means they don't need any consensus of the citizens. They're, so not, they're not doing any kind of consultation, Simon. I, I've never seen this. So any kind of consultation. And previously, you know, we know for the social sector, it's taken years to get laws and policies changed. Like enabling good lives, for example. And this yeah. is being changed in, <laughs> in you know, a couple of weeks. And then another thing that um, our Prime Minister went and said, well, oh, there's only a few people that have have this view. It's not the rest of the country, so I'm not going to listen to these few that are making a stand. But wasn't another thing that she also said is we're in red don't go out don't don't interact with people so maybe some people who may not be vaccinated or who may be fully vaccinated they're just saying okay yeah i've got that view i don't want to mandate but i just don't want to go and protest because yes what if there was a mass outbreak don't want that i see what you're saying i agree with their view but how yeah. do we make a change? So it's well, not you, right. you saw them. Those are all the people that were on the um, overpasses all the way through Auckland and every other yeah. town that the convoy passed through. You know, there was yeah. thousands of people all through Auckland that were out there on the Saturdays um, before Waitangi Day in the rain with signs and flags and all sorts, you know, cheering on these cars as they headed to Wellington. They had no idea that this was going to be a thing. They were just cheering on some cars. Um, heading down to Wellington and there's a lot of people that were supporting those people that weren't heading down to Wellington you know far more people were supporting from where they could um, and I just ha <clears throat> wanted to bring up what uh, Hannah was talking about before with your friend and her partner that was injured um, everybody should be following jab injuries New Zealand on Instagram and you should be looking at the profiles and the stories that they post mm. uh, just to balance out the, the 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 news and the stories you hear about the vaccine let's do the mass and work backwards right if you take out all the people that are immunocompromised that kind of went yeah fuck it I, I, I don't know enough but i'm being told i should take out all of the elderly that their decision might might have been made by their children who will come into a different group take out all of the people that are mandated take out all of the people they were given a hundred dollar voucher in South oh, Auckland. To, to, <laughs> or Air Jordans, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoes. Yeah. And, and, you, and you start netting all of that, and then you take out the eligible population does not include people that have does not that haven't interacted with the health service over the last year. So anyone kind of remote and rural that just does their thing, don't go to the doctors. Maybe they can't afford it, or that it's too far, or they've not needed to. They're all excluded. I reckon you, you're down. You know you're going to be down to around 50% pretty quickly. I mean, that's my, my rudimentary mass, but... Yeah, it's, I had a conversation with uh, my neighbour across the road who was an old lady who's lived in this established neighbourhood since it was all farmland, this is North Shore area, and, um, and, and she has very similar viewpoints, and she's like, you know, an old-ass lady, and, and she thinks the government is super corrupt, and, and but, you know, she was telling me about how... You, you, the, you don't go to the doctor you know it's not normal to go to the doctor her whole life growing up it was something you yeah. only went there for the odd rare occasion it's it's either the society we live in making us more sick or you 
you know it's something but there's this culture now that it's okay to go to the doctor like yearly and and, and get them to medicate you for stuff but like, that's mm. not normal you shouldn't need the doctor ever unless you hurt yourself really or something unfortunate happens genetically but if you have lead a healthy lifestyle the doctor is not someone you visit regularly yeah I worry about the almost reprogramming of how people understand illness. I kind of alluded to it earlier around, like, if you get a cold, you kind of just stay home, eat chicken soup, and just deal with your life. But, like, having daily stand-ups about how many people get a certain illness or might have even been within the area when somebody had it. It's sort of like, what What does that mean? And I suppose I'm about to go to the extreme end and say, if we accept that we all die one day, why are we living like this? 97% of people will likely survive COVID. There will be some people that will drop off. I might even be one of those people because a couple of times I've had to go to the hospital for the flu just because I couldn't look after myself that well. If I drop off because of a flu, I'd just be like, fuck it. It was a good ride. Thanks for having me. But I think there's a point there, Jade, is when when you're thinking of yourself, that's valid. When there's someone in your family that's immunocompromised and then you feel that your decision, that their mortality depends on your decision making that's tricky you know i've got a stepson that if he gets a cold he's in starship you know it's, he's bad he doesn't have the um mm. muscular muscular capacity to to breathe and push stuff out so it's just a tricky one it's tricky and i and i mean for people in that position what what i'm saying is you you will make the practical decision for yourself i i don't think we should be scaremongering though like am i right to say neil that before covid was a thing you'd be really careful if you've got a cold anyway and you'd have processes around it oh yeah of course yeah it's common sense right well, there we are there <laughs> we are yeah so so you don't need to go around scaremongering and threatening people's livelihoods because they don't want to jab like like even with the like amazing example you just gave like i still believe it should be down to individuals and their families to des decide how they're going to navigate see the controversy sorry neil the controversy i guess jade arise arises maybe in what you said depending on people's personal belief of COVID, right like if you believe COVID is this really serious disease that most people catch and and end up in hospital like if you get it you're going to get in hospital and end up on a ventilator then what you're saying sounds like you're a cold heartless you know dickhead but then if you real if you if you believe that some you know some people say COVID is like the flu majority of people get it and are asymptomatic or have very light symptoms and recover within a couple of weeks or a week then yeah it, it should be a, a personal decision based on the risk factors in your mm. personal scenario but unfortunately we're in a position where the government and these global health bodies have decided mm. for us that mm. this disease is so deadly that these are the mandated health processes that need to be in place and they've removed all of our choice i mean we all know this right we're in the been here yeah. for two years there's nothing different 
but do you know what that, i reckon that, it's a raise that like it depends on how people think COVID is mm. whether what you said jade is right or not i think it's the first port of call if anything if the government wanted to do themselves a favor is to come out and say this is when we're going to give the power of responsibility back to the people as not as much as it fucks me off to use those words but i think at least people would go okay there's you know i can I, it's going to be okay i can look after myself I, you, i've got all the information i'll decide for myself but it's going to be my responsibility to make the decisions based on what i know and i think that's that's a step in the right direction if if anything just to get some clarity over when are we going to be normal people and be respected that we can make our own decisions? Well, we've got a we've got a comment in the chat. If I could just come to it, sorry, Hannah. Um, House four one four says I was masking up and staying away from people when sick for years. It's how the Japanese do it, and it's worked well for them. So. And what oh, we going... used to take the piss out of them, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. around, around SARS time, you'd walk down Queen Street and you'd be like, what are these crazy people doing? And that's Now you're the was... crazy person if you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm kind Sorry, of getting it's, it's your own personal choice now. You, you should know your, your... It should be your own personal choice of you knowing your health. And that may be... And, you shouldn't be judged if you take the virus or not take the virus, take the vaccine, not the virus, take the vaccine because um, I know people that have decided not to take the vaccine because they want to have children, just want to wait and see and after they've had a child, yes, they'll go and take it. They're not against vaccines and it should be about, hey, your choice and also if you don't take it, Beware of the facts and look after yourself and stay healthy. The the vaccine, like, I don't care if I get cancelled anymore. I just need to say what I feel. <laughs> like, with everything I've read, you know, you know, the evidence is clear. And Simon's helped me a little bit with this with different links and whatnot. It's very clear now that the, the vaccine is about personal protection. It actually does not very much despite all the debate to prevent transmission so, so from that end i'm like just piss off leave my arm alone and i won't go around any people that feel like they're at risk just oh, leave me alone and i did want to actually say to you in the beginning um our our government did actually mention when we get to 90 percent of people double vaxxed um sorry i keep moving up. when we get our oh, two shots for summer our two shots for summer and that's mm. us and we won't question and we won't even go there about it again well that's long gone and now it's booster week did you see that simon all the all the advertising for booster week yeah i mean oh we've God. got a variant which the i guess the most well-publicized discoverer of the the variant described it as mild and has just come out recently saying that she was pressured not to describe the symptoms of Omicron as uh, more mild than uh, Delta which we've seen the case so what's happened is we're getting more cases of a variant that's you know not as uh, what would you describe dangerous or, or you know risky um, and yet we're pushing for more vaccination 
and stricter rules you know like where is the science to justify the decision making we're doing everything they say and yet the decision that the situation is deteriorating where they had 800 cases today and the unvaccinated people are still stuck at home doing nothing and everybody is vaccinated and boosters are going at a record rate you know that's what jacinda was saying you know that more people were getting boosted in a single day than the people that were standing outside um parliament and for what good right are we going to are we going mm. to avoid the food shortages and the and and the blackouts that's going to happen once all of our critical industries shut down because thousands of people are going to be isolating i mean they've got that critical work scheme where people can test to stay at work i mean that's not going to it's not going to function how, so, how, how soon yeah. can you ensure that the disability sector is a critical industry so i mean you want to help me with that because i think people would absolutely love to have that in place man yeah i mean i think it would be better than having all of the <laughs> providers and individual uh, i guess you know fund holders trying to justify to the, to the government that they're a critical business well it's like the waikato dhb who said that vaccinated nurses that are asymptomatic and test positive can still work on the front line it's like it, it makes no sense i think it's an important thing we need to call out i don't know if this has happened before on on this on this podcast but the booster is a third vaccination yes right, right i think i just want to be really clear because that mm -hmm. is not it's not easy to know that it's yeah. quite difficult to understand and then if you're immunocompromised you're recommended to have a, a third shot and then a booster which is effectively a fourth shot so why isn't the third shot called a booster instead of being called a third shot like i can't get my head around it and i think the other thing to mention around the, the virus viruses are, are clever things right they've been around for a long time and viruses don't um so you don't use the word survive or die it's around being viable or unviable and a virus whatever is within it wants to remain viable and to remain viable if you kill all your hosts that's not a good strategy so ultimately and we know this from any virus they become milder and milder and spread easier and that's why we have the flu and colds unless they're genetically modified to do the opposite that would but, be a good point yeah real we, we we can't confirm that real fast simon i'm wondering if you could read the next comment for us in the chat i don't have the chat open, oh, sorry, okay i'll read yeah. it i'll read it yeah um, challenge the black man to read okay yeah <laughs> yeah let's see i remember sars and 2003 it stuck with me the terminology is also poorly chosen i prefer to describe it as a seatbelt in a car crash it doesn't prevent sickness or death but reduces the chances of side effects just as a seatbelt increases your chance of surviving a wreck house 414 i'd almost agree with that except for the fact that some people actually experience quite severe illness from the vaccination itself and that's where i think we need to strike a balance i'm, I'm not saying you're wrong there's been lots of evidence around what you're saying but i think the other side needs a little bit of consideration as well can i just add here in 1971 my dad had a horrific car crash and nearly lost both his legs and it's the fact he wasn't wearing a seatbelt that actually <laughs> was actually the saving grace for the outcome for him 
That's nothing to do with it, but I'm just saying, you know, there's, it's not as always as simple as yeah, yeah, airbags yeah. and seatbelts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the and seat well, don't belts, get in yeah. the car, sit at home, you know, like. Well. Yeah, yeah. Seatbelts, um, they were designed for safety, but the any sort of rules, because seatbelt laws were first introduced in the states, and it was purely a revenue gathering uh, operation and uh, a way for people to stop, a way for police to stop people with, you know, probable cause to then either. Uh, initiate an accidental <laughs> killing of somebody or you know to to put what to put plant weed on them but yeah that's how what it was in the states is they just set up those seatbelt laws so they could pull people over and say you weren't wearing a seatbelt it is statistically correct that no one ever got hurt sitting on their deck drinking a beer just thinking this <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a tornado neil i'm i'm wanting to pivot here for just a second obviously you've listened to at least a couple of episodes of the podcast i'm told and and mm -hmm. i'm just wondering is there is there anything in what you've listened to that you were ever iffy iffy about or disagreed with or wanted to dig in a bit more about i i don't think it's a case of being iffy or disagreeing i think hearing people's opinions and points of view is a healthy thing yeah you know and and i think yeah. and i think there is a culture of like feeling like you've got to be a bit underground to talk about certain things <laughs> you know and there's a bit of a social dance that happens nowadays yeah. whereas no one directly goes are you vaccinated or not vaccinated or what do you think about mandates and it's like what the fuck's going on why 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 does anyone give a shit you know yeah. why should i be in a situation where i should care if someone is vaccinated or not to come to my house and interact with me and yeah. shake hands and hug or whatever you want to do you know like the whole thing's bizarre so I think I'm, I'm kind of not answering the question, but I will answer it by saying, I think any any topic, is why, why can't people talk about it? And why can't you have opposing point of views? Like yeah. you lived in an echo chamber, like yeah. if all my friends thought exactly the same as me, and I played the same fucking album from 1989 over and over again every day, my life's not going to be that rich, right? Yeah. And how else, how else do you form opinion? It is through discussion and understanding someone, and you weigh it up. You know, because there's nothing that's right or wrong. Everything's got, there's always a, a percentage of um, susceptibility. Mm. Um, I just think you guys are, it's just uh, refreshing to have that open forum and to talk about it. And I'd, I'd, I'd quite like someone to come on the show to be like totally the other point of view <laughs> that would be the same, that would yeah. happily discuss it without getting an arse on and you know, slamming the phone down or whatever you want to call it, just to have a reasoned conversation. I, I feel like I've got at least a couple of ideas who, who we could have on, Simon, that would be opposing views, uh, but we can, <laughs> we can take that offline. House 414, Discord is good, but it doesn't happen anymore. If you're not with me, you're an enemy. I do not get it. Yeah, well... Just people have just stopped putting their opinions forward because, you know, what happens if they don't agree with me? Well, I could lose my job, I could lose my home, I could, oh, this, that, and other, and oh, why do it? Um, but another thing that I've also picked up on is why are people getting these views that, um, so I saw recently on Facebook um, that. Oh, if you haven't had your two shots and your booster, 
you can't interact with me. Um, how are they getting these views that, um, you know, that person who's had a booster will be more, um, it's, it's going to be less likely that, that they would give transmit anything to you since they've had the same number of COVID-19 shots than you. How's mm. that message being spread? That's what I want to know. Is it something to do with the Pfizer contract, Simon? I know we've not actually touched on that on the show. I don't have a lot of detail, but I feel like <laughs> I don't think the anyone rest does. of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but is it something to do with the Pfizer contract that they just have to get it in people's arms? Is that what this is all about? I think that the idea is a subscription model. I think, um, I think what they've had is some discussions with some groups like the United Nations and the WHO and Pfizer and they've basically said look this thing's out here now and look what we've done we've created a vaccine and thing the thing mutates and it's clear that the vaccine doesn't protect people uh, long term anyway so uh, you know through all these reasons we now have to create a vaccine that people take regularly and permanently uh, for them to maintain their health and safety. It's like that, the dope sick thing, right? The, mm. You know, it's double the dose. Double the dose. It's not working. No one's into it anymore. Just double the dose. Right. And it's a great fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, you've got to fill me in on that reference there, Neil. Oh, um, around Oxycontin in the States, there's a... Um, right. There's a, there's a doco, um, well, it's a reenactment, but it's, it's fairly accurate around oxycontin how it was introduced and the the methods that um oh god what were they called purdue that's it purdue the family who still have their plaques outside some museums bizarrely and eventually they were bankrupted um i don't want to tell this bit of a spoiler here but, bankrupted um, yeah well, not personally though nobody personally um, no. any of the directors were found liable um, just just, they, a just subs- like, a, they bankrupted a subsidiary right you know that yeah, 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 and so they're now like a, a like a world good cause and educate people on, you know, how to not get addicted to drugs when the company manufactured the drugs and they knowingly knew that they were addictive and marketed them as non-addictive. So doctors prescribed them, going, "This is awesome! Like, look at the results we're getting. People are with chronic pain are suddenly going, I feel great.' And of course, they're actually like heroin junkies. You know, that's what they became. And then when they said, like, "I'm sick because of the drugs I'm taking." The answer was double the dose. They kept selling and selling and selling. It's called Dope Sick. It's mm. I think it's on Disney Plus or something like that. But if you Google Pfizer, you have, have a look at their legal that, history. Yeah. Check out yeah. Pfizer's oh, legal history, man. We've it's... talked about that plenty of times on here, yeah. being the most litigated company in the world, mm. and only ever settling out of court. So, being the most, you know, litigated and paying the most, but also never actually having to pay true. Reflection, like reflection, re- reflective fines um, for what they've done. You know, they've just managed to get deals outside of court to keep people silent, and it's just. And they're pricing with the Starbucks model. That's mm-hmm. evident. That is released because they they will price at the they will their price structure is they will sell it at the price that someone's most most willing to pay, which is why the Starbucks model has a viente and a dollar black coffee and you know all these different things in between so someone will always give the most money for what they want 
and that's not very socially conscious but you could definitely agree with that mm. I liked Starbucks um, in the chat, in the chat, you're such a basic bitch. The analogy was not around you. In the chat, we have House Four One Four again, saying I've seen dope sick in person. It's not great, so they obviously have uh, personal experience of what we're talking about. We're really sorry to hear that. By the way, House, um, I did want to pivot Simon and Neil. I'm hearing more and more about the Great Reset, and to Simon's credit, actually, he brought it to the attention of the podcast some months ago, so so for Simon, this would be a little bit old, Uh, but with the rising inflation around the world, more and more people are talking about it, Simon. You You must be stoked that it's making the mainstream. Well, I mean, it's weird, right? Like, it all got it all got um, fact-checked into oblivion right at the start. So, like, the Great Reset, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, all of these exercises that these global activist groups and, you know, super funds or the Bill and Melinda, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation and in collaboration with the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and the WHO, you know, they ran these exercises before this all happened. And they have regardless of whether you say that this was all planned from the beginning or whether it's just so happening to follow one of the plans that they created and now they're responding how they they planned it we still know what they're going to do because regardless of whether they are responsible for it their plans are there the great reset is available to read and watch on the website you can read between the lines or you can buy into what they say out loud and you get a, a, a different picture of what they're trying to create. But the mantra of you will own nothing and be happy is quite a scary thought. Um, Simon, the the finance minister was actually asked about the uh, Great Reset uh, on News Talk ZB and uh, the finance minister hung up the phone. I don't know if you've heard that clip uh, where he said, I'm not going to discuss something so ridiculous. Uh, You make a good point that it's not just conspiracy. There's actually a published document about how they intend to go about this. It's a white paper. It's literally the bad guys saying, here are my plans. Study them so that when it happens, you can't (laughs) say that we didn't know Uh, House 414 in the chat says the too long didn't read. We are going to be like the humans in Wally. Yes. Can I just touch on the whole reset thing? There's there's an endemic problem with the world in that everything has to grow, right? (laughs) All the time there has to be growth. If like what's wrong with standing still? When I grew up, my dad had a house. And he had a 25-year mortgage and he went to his job and he was in the job for decades and it was a family home it wasn't um, a tradable asset he built it and we lived there and then if you think oh, okay I'll go on a bit of a tangent here I used to own a mortgage packaging company in the UK and a packager wholesales money for lenders to brokers or bank for that you know because they the infrastructure they can't they can keep up with it and I was at a meeting with 
GMAC, who are owned by General Motors, who are one of the biggest lenders in the world, looking uh, for a product meeting. And the guy there said to me, um, the question was something, I don't know how it came up. It's about an 80-year-old lady with no job living in a shack on the beach. And he said, if you can get me those customers, I will create the product. Because they sell it. It's a collateralized debt obligation. And when CDOs got caught out in the GFC, they all just went quiet. And then they started a whole new vehicle, which is actually a collateralized debt obligation, which is called something else with another acronym. So there's always going to be all this growth, and it's all false. It's not real money. It's just figures on a computer screen. And at some point, you cannot grow forever. You can't do it. I'm so glad you raised that. And um, I'm aware I'm really obsessed with Japan because I got to work there for a very short time. And ever since I never really got over it, I understand it's one of the countries in the world that has sustained negative uh, growth in terms of GDP, but actually the the um, the experience of lifestyle for the Japanese has been fine. By all well, that's because it's called deflation, and that means yeah. you borrow money and you get paid for the privilege of borrowing the money, yeah. which is a good societal trend, if you ask me. I mean, it's nominal, right? Because computers can't can't <laughs> cope with it. I mean, it's not good for people with savings. No, fair point. Simon, if you've got savings, you're doing all right. Simon, do we need growth, or can we actually find another way around? I just... When can we stop, like, lying to ourselves about the inflation percentage? <laughs> I, I've seen it grow week on week, right? It was around, what was it like saying, you know, it was like 4% there, and now it was like 59 and then over in the States, they're saying 7.5% inflation, and it's like fellas in the months leading mm. up to the middle of 2020 up to june 2020 the american government or no not sorry a private company called the federal reserve bank of the united states of america printed over 40 percent of the total currency in circulation in the united states and then just promptly decided to stop reporting on the numbers of bills that they started printing so from the middle of 2020 since then we have no idea how much money the federal reserve have been printing they just stopped reporting on it they printed 40 percent and then they you know back then and then they did this huge seven trillion dollar um relief bill that biden has got through that country is lying to its people <laughs> they it's a Ponzi like, scheme. It's a Zim- they're going to have Zimbabwean dollars and German francs in a you know in a few weeks. My yeah. goodness me! If people don't get it, quantitative easing is is the same as getting another credit card to pay your credit card, and then getting another credit card to pay the two credit, and getting another couple of credit cards. You got fifty credit cards. At some point, something falls down. Yeah, your kneecaps when the the debt collector comes to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happens because it inflates? Then card number one, instead of being twenty seven percent interest, is now fifty percent interest. Card number fifty is eighty percent interest. It's it's all ass about face, and that's quantitative easing produces bonds, and the value is futuristic, and it just sits there until at some point the government rationalises the debt. And there's got to be a market. There's got to be a buyer. Why would someone buy it? So the government buys it. <laughs> That's off their own credit card. 
to make the balance sheet look better. And then when you talk inflation, are you including house prices? Are you not including house prices? Are you including fuel or not including fuel? What are you including for the inflation calculation? So I guarantee if you include houses, it's a shitload more than 5.9%. Why, why, why are governments okay with this kind of debt level? Is it because it's not actually going to be their problem? It'll be like a couple of generations down the track? I think it's because they don't want to be honest and tell people what the repercussions are of the alternative. Repercussions is probably not the right word, but what is the alternative? You know, it's like saying to people, you want a, a world-class health service, but you're going to have to pay 2% more tax. Everyone wants a world-class health service, but as soon as they go, you've got to pay a bit more, the average person en masse would go, it wouldn't be palatable as a policy. So, but everyone wants it. You got to, someone's got to pay for it. Yeah, right. How do we see it all unfolding? I think well, we'll have we'll have global World War Three, and then the aliens will come to save us, and then they're gonna aliens will come and say you guys need to sort it out, and unite into one sort of one world government. Well, then, communism doesn't work and capitalism doesn't work, so there's no. got to be something a bit more creative. And I was talking to Jay before we came on about my political opinions, and I say more about like why can't we vote for policies rather than parties? I think why we've talked about that. Maybe Switzerland on the live stream does that. Switzerland mm. does that, and they're fairly neutral and they rock along quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. One of the highest quality of life in the in the world. Yeah, I think it, I honestly having a flashback to one of our first ever live streams where I said something like, "Why can't you just get a text to your phone?" that's like you know one for yes two for no and the policy and and the weeks the months prior to it or whatever they've been doing all these information campaigns about the policy and then it's soon they're just like bing and you just reply one or two I'll tell blockchain, society. blockchain mm. yeah. perfect for what blockchain it, technology there's no reason why we couldn't do that what about ubi what's people's thoughts on that oh fuck right universal off. basic income <laughs> Oh Jade hates God. doll bludgers. <laughs> <laughs> but it creates a different playing field, right? Well, it's, it feels like raising the minimum wage, but, you know, like on steroids. Right? Mm. Like you're just giving, you're giving everybody the extra f income, and I don't know, it just feels like it would just cause hyperinflation. But how much do you reckon goes in paying people and civil servants to work out all the complications of working for families, benefits, yeah. you know, allowances, taxes, you know. I, actually, even just for the sheer, like, peace of mind of removing all of the, the bureaucracy, you know, like, just to know that there's not offices full of people debating whether some pregnant mother deserve, gets the, you know, $50 a week or not, if that shit just didn't happen, I feel like I could probably pay more in taxes or whatever for it. Yeah, because well, that, 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 that shit does actually irk me that there's so many people's job who is just to manage policies of benefits and handing out money it just co makes it cost more don't even get me started on child support man <laughs> how, how can you have, a, how can you have a, not for me but how can you have a 50-50 share care arrangement yet if one parent and especially when they're female Christ alive earns more money than the other person that they have to pay the other person money how does that work? And if the other person's claiming working for families, they don't even get it. It goes to IRD and they bank it. Yeah. 
it pisses me no, off. It's the, <laughs> yeah, I, it doesn't affect me personally, but the child support system um, really pisses me off in New Zealand. I think it does not make sense, and I think there's no chance for New Zealanders to even have their own personal situations, and you know they could agree on a system that they want to do, but no. ID says, no, you can't do that. You've got to pay pay child support. doesn't matter if you've got your own personal arrangement between mother and father and how much you pay per week. And that, that would mean that, that they would actually get the money um, directly in their pocket, whereas, you know, a good portion goes directly straight into the pocket of um, the government. So... Real so that answers the question. Hannah, the original question, does can government care about children? <laughs> Evidently not. Yeah. If they're taking a cut that should go to a child and pocket it. Yeah. Uh, real, real fast, my, my personal experience of child support, like there's no facts behind this, of course, but I swear to God I'm paying for three black men that the government can't track down. Uh, my, my child support bill is absolutely enormous, but strangely, I'm a little bit proud to be able to afford it. I actually had that happen for real when I lived in England. I had a letter come through, and it said, oh, it's alleged that you are the father of Anthony <laughs> Johnson. And I was like, hang on a minute, because so, Anthony's my middle name, right? <laughs> and Johnson John, so I'm reading this letter. And it goes, you know, in Southampton or wherever they're playing. And I was like, when was the last time I was in Southampton? <laughs> and what date was it and all that? And what it turned football out football game that the, was on that night? Yeah, yeah the, the whole thing was there was one, someone miskeyed one number on, on my UK national insurance number, which is like an IRD number, an NHI number. And that just triggered, it's just coincidental that the names were similar. And um, But that could ruin someone's life. And I phoned them up, like the uh, IRD, whatever they're called, yeah. I can't remember now. Yeah. They said, what the fuck is going on? And they, said, and they eventually sent me £100 with no emission of liability. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, some families, that could have ruined their whole life, getting a letter like that. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing that's really annoyed me, which I've, I've learned recently over the last couple of years, is um, that it doesn't matter if, um, you know, the child's mother gets a gets a new gets a new husband so then she's basically getting um, child support she's getting a full income for herself she's getting her husband's new husband's then all, um, making money so she's getting more money into the more money is coming into the house than typically would have for a two-parent home who else will plastic surgeons rely on if it wasn't for a woman in that, <laughs> that, that position? I'm telling you, you, you that. Who else would they rely who on? Who else? And who they else? need the money, right? They're, yeah. they're on the breadline, well, maybe, man. There's quite a few government-sponsored <laughs> um, uh, transition surgeries that require plastic surgeons. Yeah, that yeah. probably gets a few people through their through their winter slump. I probably need a winter couple slump. of drinks before we talk about that one, Simon. So maybe a, <laughs> maybe a, maybe a topic for another day. And I'm mindful of the time, sure uh, so wondering if we should move into uh, final thoughts. 
Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you along, mate. I really appreciate you coming out. Likewise, and I hope you'll invite me back another time at some point. It'd be cool to do this again. Have you got any final thoughts based on the conversation today? Yeah, my, my final thoughts are things can't always grow. That's not reasonable. You can't tell people what to do. That's not reasonable. And child support's fucked. That's not reasonable. <laughs> There's nothing reasonable except a reasonable conversation. And if reasonable people have a reasonable debate, you tend to get a reasonable outcome. That's Sounds absolutely reasonable. amazing. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? Eh? <laughs> Mr. Anderson, final thoughts? Oh, it's been cool. Uh, thank you very much, Neil, for um, for coming along, and Jade for allowing Neil to join. It's clear that you know it had some very valuable conversation, and <laughs> I knew I knew this would this would go along kind of like it did. And I think what would be really cool another time is to move into the format. You know, this was the first live stream of the year, so it kind of did just was a bit of a big catch up. But once we move into some formats with uh, we bring some news or you know some current events forward or whatever a topic. I think that would be really cool to see what Neil wanted to bring forward and, and hear mm. some of his thoughts on that Sounds stuff. Sounds like yeah. a challenge. Mm. That'd be cool. Thank you for everything, for everyone uh, watching, and yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, for me, um, th this has been great to finally get back online and have conversations with uh, reasonable people. I've got a lot of concerns for society as a whole, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, New Zealand is waking up and getting rid of the current Prime Minister as soon as possible. Uh, appreciate you, Simon. Appreciate you, Neil. And Hannah, as always, for the contributions you make. Uh, if you're listening at home and you haven't already, uh, consider following me on social media to get all the various updates of the pieces of content we put out. Uh, but for now, thank you for being a part of the channel. Thank you for being a part of the journey. Please stay awesome. And Hannah? We'll see you guys on the next one.